So once again, welcome to our service. It's great, great having you all here. Um, after our church camp two weeks ago and then the, the special warrior service last week, wasn't that great? Uh, we'll be refocusing on our Holy Spirit theme for the year. And my lesson today is a follow-up on uh, the series on the fruit of the Spirit. You guys will remember that Jason with a few other brothers did a great job teaching through the, the fruit of the Spirit. Well, let me ask you this. What is an absolute truth? Can any of you give a definition for an absolute truth? Anyone? What do we mean when we say something is an absolute truth? Yes. Irrefutable, undeniable fact. That sounds like it's from the Oxford Dictionary. Great job, Mercy. Awesome. Sounds good. Anyone else? An absolute truth is exactly that. An absolute truth is something, in simpler language, an absolute truth is something that is true at all times, in all places, under all circumstances. Mersh is obviously much sharper than I am. An example of an absolute truth is the law of gravity. Would you guys agree? Now, if you decided after church to climb to the top of this hall and jump off the roof... The law of gravity kicks in. Whether you believe in the law of gravity or not is not the point, right? We are all subject to the law of gravity. Um, and there is an absolute truth that the Bible speaks about. There are many absolute truths in the Bible. But there's an absolute truth that the Bible speaks about, which is based on a physical law that is as irrefutable and as undeniable as the law of gravity. And I'm talking about the truth that we reap what we sow. This is a well-known physical phenomenon. You know, if you plant sunflower seeds, you can't expect to get a harvest of wheat. You know, you need to sow wheat seeds if you want to get a harvest of wheat. And this principle is true of relationships as well. If you are a husband and you never pay any attention to your wife's needs, that you just live for yourself, that you live selfishly, what sort of marriage would you have? Not a good one, right? Okay, you're going to be you're going to have a terrible marriage. You're probably going to you're probably going to be divorced. If you sow selfishness in marriage, you reap a bad marriage, and you probably reap divorce. What we reap in relationships is what we sow into them. We reap what we sow morally. Um, if you steal and get caught out, you're likely to end up in jail. If we sow dishonesty we reap a criminal record. Um, it's also true financially. If we diligently save while we are young, if we are responsible with, with our money, we, will have, we should have plenty of money when we grow old. If we sow financial discipline, we reap financial wealth. We also sow what we reap spiritually, as we read in Galatians chapter 6. But let me first pray. Father God, I thank you for everybody who is here. Thank you, Lord, that we can come together um, in the name of your Son and in the presence of your Spirit, God. Uh, as we read the Scriptures, God, I pray, Father, that your Word will be like the seed that um, that lands in fertile soil, God. I pray our hearts will be open to your Word. I pray we'll be humble, God, and that we'll allow your Word to challenge us, God, and to change us where we need to change. Please be with me, God. Please put me aside. And I pray that you will speak through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. 
Galatians 5, from verse 16 to 18. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There is this battle going on between the flesh and the Spirit. And we get to choose what is going to animate us, what is going to drive us. And the decisions we make, whether to sow to the flesh or sow to the Spirit, has consequences. And then in verse, um, from verse 19, Paul gives some examples of what uh, the acts of the flesh look like and what results from sowing to the Spirit. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now Paul describes here the kind of harvest that we reap if we sow to the flesh, and he contrasts that with the harvest that we reap if we sow to the Spirit. And there are two things to take note of here. He speaks about the acts of the flesh or the works of the flesh, and he speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is not something that we can produce through works. right? The fruit of the Spirit is not something that we can bring about. You know, just as a farmer can only sow the seed and trust that the seed will germinate and grow into a plant, just as he needs to trust that, we need to trust that as we sow, God brings the harvest. Right? There is nothing that we can do to bring about the fruit of the Spirit, except to yield to the Spirit and to allow Him to produce the fruit in us. It does require a yielding so that we can, we can experience the power of the Spirit to change us from within. Now there's something really important about these lists as well, and I know that Jason and the guys did explain this a few weeks ago, but it's important to remember. These are not a list of do's and don'ts. And if we get it wrong, if we don't tick all the boxes, then the hammer's going to come down on us. That's not the purpose of this. They are signs to help us to see where we stand, whether we are living according to the flesh or whether we are sowing to the Spirit, whether we are yielded to the Spirit. You know, if we have horrible weeds like sexual impurity and jealousy and rage and divisions and there's drunkenness in your life, they are there because you have sown to your to your flesh. You have sown to your fleshly nature and desires. But if your life demonstrates these qualities like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness, if those things characterize your life, then you have been sowing to the Spirit. Um, and we should remember also from a few weeks ago that the Scripture speaks about the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. They come as a, pas- a package led by love. Love determines all the other things, but it is one fruit. And I like to think of it as kind of a fruit smoothie. 
Right? You take, you know how to make a fruit smoothie? You take a bunch of different fruits, you put them in the blender, let it all mix together, and you get this amazing smoothie that has the flavor of all the different fruits, but it actually has a unique flavor of its own as well. To me, by the way, the perfect smoothie is a mixture of strawberries, bananas, <laughs> pawpaw, and pineapple. With a dollop, I was going to say, with a dollop of vanilla yogurt. In fact, I think I know what I'm going to have for lunch when I get home, right? That's it. Come on. That is the perfect smoothie, isn't it? Right? That's not for discussion, Amy. (laughs) But imagine if I made this amazing smoothie when I got home, and I put it on the dining room table, and I admired it for a while. I woke up the next morning and I looked at it and I thought, wow, that's an amazing smoothie. And this carried on for days. I just made this smoothie, but I didn't drink it. What would the smoothie look like after a while? Mmm. Yeah, it's not going to taste so great. It's going to go off, right? It's going to get discolored and it's going to start smelling. It's not going to be great. Now, you'd say, that's crazy. Who would do this? Who would do something like that? And Paul has something like this in mind in the next section that he will read. Now, he says, this is the fruit of the Spirit, Um, But it should show in how we treat one another in the church. It's no good having the fruit of the Spirit if we quench the Spirit. Right? That is sort of latent, but that it just, it, it doesn't characterize our lives. We don't live out the fruit of the Spirit. That would be as silly as making a smoothie and not drinking it. So he starts now giving these very practical instructions and insights into what sowing to the Spirit looks like in community. And remember, he's writing to a church that that is divided. They're divided on ethnic lines, probably socioeconomic lines as well. The Jews, for example, were expecting the Gentiles to follow the law, or at least certain parts of the law, like circumcision. There were divisions. There was disunity in this church. And Paul gets to the heart of it. He says... If you are in Christ, if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're living by the Spirit, if you're yielding to the Spirit, you should have qualities in your life like the ones we see on the slide. And if you focus on the fruit of the Spirit, you will become a healthy community. So there are great lessons for us in that we are nothing like the Galatian church was. Amen. But these are important lessons for us, church, to remember how to build a healthy community. So he starts... In chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with the instructor. Okay, this is quite a dense package, and we're just going to dig into it verse by verse. Uh, Firstly, in God's family, we should know one another well enough. We should love one another enough. We should be close in relationships, close enough in relationships to know who is not doing well spiritually. And we should help them to be restored to spiritual health. And he says we should restore them gently. This is the fruit of the Spirit in action. You know, love, 
patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. We exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in our love for one another to help each other become strong spiritually. And as I mentioned in Galatia, there were problems between you know, some of the Jews and some of the Gentiles. And if someone from the other group wanted to leave the church, you know, you were then tempted to say, no, let them go. That's the easy option. Life will be easier in the church if that troublesome person leaves. Right? A person who's struggling spiritually, you know what, just let them go. But that's not how we're supposed to be as a church. You know, people who we disagree with, maybe people who are not doing well spiritually, we must be willing to invest the time to reconcile, the emotional energy to reconcile, and, and to help each other be restored spiritually. I'll confess, church, at times I've been tempted, you know, when there are occasionally some challenges in the church, maybe someone's not doing spiritually well and is a little bit critical of, of the church, there's a temptation to say, I wish someone else would do it. You know, I just don't have the energy or the time to try to deal with this. Paul says if we are led by the Spirit, if we yield it to the Spirit, we won't have that kind of attitude. We love one another enough to, to sacrifice our emotional energy, our time, to ensure that everybody is spiritually strong and restored. Verse 2 Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love, by the way. That quality which really pulls all the fruit of the Spirit together. Carry each other's burdens. Now, a burden refers to an extraordinary weight that can't be carried by one person and which needs to be shared by others in the community. In a loving community, we are close enough, we love one another enough, and we're honest and vulnerable enough with one another to know when someone has a burden to carry which is too heavy. And we step in and help. That's living out the fruit of the Spirit. But verse 5 is equally important. Let's skip down there. For each one should carry their own load. Now, a load is different to a burden. A load is the responsibility that each disciple has. Responsibility for our own walk with God, our responsibility towards the community. We should all be serving in some way, right? You know, so there's this difference between a burden and a load. And once again, our relationships with, with each other should be close and honest enough to challenge each other to carry our load. As I said, load refers to those common responsibilities that all disciples of Jesus have. We expect it to pull our weight. We expect it to each do our bit to serve and build up God's family. Now imagine if I was helping somebody move from one flat to another. I've done this many times, as have the brothers in this church, right? And imagine that there's this big, heavy lounge sofa that needs to be carried down the street, down the steps, whatever, to my bucky. And they're four brothers, four heavy, hefty brothers. And I've got the one corner and Kuda's got the other corner and um, Marcel and Alexis have got the, and the others and we are, we are carrying this heavy sofa to the bucky. Now imagine if I, I say to Kuda, hey Kuds, can you just take over my weight please? And I hop on the sofa <laughs> and I lie back. <laughs> yeah? Check my messages. That, 
That wouldn't be cool, would it? You'd say, man, what's with Neil? You know, rightly so. You know, but there are similar things in the church. There are similar, we can have a similar attitude in the church where we expect everybody else to carry our load. We can expect our brothers and sisters to carry our burdens, but there's a basic responsibility and a minimum load that each of us need to carry. And I want to ask you to honestly consider these questions for yourself. And I'll even put it on the church group afterwards. What would our church look like if everybody prayed the way you pray? What would our church look like if everybody read their Bibles the way you read yours? What would our church look like if everybody reached out to the lost like you do? What would our church look like if everybody was committed to the SHIELD program and feeding the poor on Sundays after church as you are? You know, are you carrying your God-given load in this church to ensure that we are healthy, growing family? A spiritual church has members who are helping each other carry their burdens and who are all, without exception, all contributing to building a healthy and growing family. Amen? Verse 3. Let's get back to verse 3. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Now, a classic symptom of sowing to the flesh is self-importance. Now, there were some Christians in Galatia who considered themselves superior to others, maybe based on their ethnicity, their gender, maybe based on their socioeconomic status. But in Christ, there are no differences between Jew and Gentile, male and female, rich and poor. Certainly in terms of our standing and our status before God, there are no differences. Any feelings of superiority arise from sowing to the flesh. Verse 4 then is a continuation of this theme. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. We shouldn't compare ourselves to others. If we sow to the Spirit, that won't bother us. We won't be comparing ourselves to others. We should test our own action. Instead of critically evaluating others, we should be doing self-assessments. And Paul says we should take pride in ourselves. It's also translated we should boast in ourselves. Now you may think, that doesn't sound right. I mean, pride and boasting are sins, aren't they? They're not a good thing. Yes, they are without giving glory to God. It is good, it is good to look back and think, hmm, I did a great job there for God. God used me to do a great job for him. That is fine. You know, do a good job for God, that's actually how the NLT translates the sentence. It's fine as long as we give him credit for what we have done, what he has used us to do. Now, Paul thought it was okay to boast to the Corinthian Christians in defense of his ministry to them. You know, as he reminded them of what he had done, you read about that in 2 Corinthians 10. But then he says, let him who boasts Boast in the Lord. Egotistical pride and boasting is a sign of sowing to the flesh. Taking pride in one's ministry and work for God and giving him the credit is a sign of sowing to the Spirit. Verse 6. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word 
should share all good things with their instructor. Now, the saying sharing all good things is really a euphemism for supporting financially. Paul had a knack of speaking about finances without actually using the word finance and money. Uh, But it appears that in the Galatian church, some members, probably some Gentiles who had felt hard done by by the Jews, were withholding their financial support of the leaders. Um, You know, Paul writes that, don't do that. And obviously, if there were big issues with the leaders, Paul would have dealt with that. We know from his other letters. But in the situation in Galatia, he says, don't withhold your support. Continue to give your contribution. Don't retaliate. Don't show that kind of passive aggression by withholding your your support. That is sowing to the flesh. If you live by the Spirit, you won't withhold your support just because you don't agree with people in the church. Get that? And this takes us to where we started. You know, Galatians 6, verse 7 to 10. And this is the main principle in this extended passage. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will will reap eternal life. It says that God cannot be mocked. You know, if you decide to climb to the top of the roof after church, I hope none of you take up the invitation. And as you as you jump off the roof, you say, Woo, watch me, I can fly. Now assuming you are of sound mind, right? If you do that, you are effectively mocking the law of gravity. Like I somehow know better than God, the creator of all things. Watch me, you know, I'm gonna fly. And when we when we do not believe this law, when we think, ah, oh, it's not really important what I sow, I don't really believe that I'm gonna reap what I sow. In effect, we are mocking God. We are saying, God, we don't agree with that law. And I'll kind of live exactly as I want to. And this mocking God, it literally means to turn your nose up at God, to sneer at God. That's not a good thing to do, right? Whoever sows to their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Now, if we sow to the flesh, if we sow to our selfish nature, it will result in destruction. But whoever whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So what are we sowing? Are we sowing for destruction and death? Or are we sowing for life? Life to the full in this age and eternal life in the age to come. Verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, people led by the Spirit persevere. When we yield to the Spirit, we access His power, and we're able to push through incredibly difficult situations and testing times in the power and strength of the Spirit. Now there are some amazing, there are some amazing examples of Christians in this church who have not become weary in doing good in spite of trials and temptations to give up. They have not given up. You know, they have faithfully sowed to the Spirit for years and years and years. You know, believing that they will be rewarded. That's a good definition of faith right there. Persevering through trials, trusting in the promises of God. 
Now, James 1 verse 12 reads, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in yielding to the Spirit, because God has promised you the crown of life if you persevere. Keep sowing goodness, the harvest is coming. That's what we must believe. It's a promise of God, and when God promises something, we can bank it. You know, everything else that we do apart from God and his will brings the crown of death. It reaps destruction. Quitting the life in Christ, sowing to the flesh is always the easier option, but it brings death. It brings destruction. Now, verse 10 Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Do good, he says, towards all people as we have opportunity, not if we have opportunity. Christians have many opportunities to, to do good, and that can be translated as to, to work for the good of others. We have many opportunities. Living according to the flesh is a self-centered life. We seek our own desires, our own interests. But people living by the Spirit, people led by the Spirit, people yielded to the Spirit, people sowing to the Spirit, it's all the same thing. They put the interests of others before their own. Sowing to the flesh reaps working for our own good and our own interests. Sowing to the Spirit reaps working for the good of others. Imagine what the church would look like if we all sow to the Spirit and work for the good of others, inside and outside the church. Imagine how our love for one another would grow. Imagine how devoted we would be to one another. Imagine how our love for the lost would grow. Imagine how we would impact Port Elizabeth. You know, imagine what our church would look like if we all sow to the Spirit and lived out the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Imagine what we would look like. Now, so Paul addresses this, you know, the problems in the Galatian church by appealing to the Christians to sow to the Spirit and not to the flesh. You know, to build a healthy community. You know, these are lessons that that we need to take to heart as well, church. Amen? And I want to end with sharing some laws of the harvest. And I'm going to repeat and reinforce a little bit of what I've said already, but it's important to understand this. There are, there are four laws of the harvest that I want to share with you. Firstly, we reap what we sow. Passage we've looked at, Galatians 6, 8, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You know, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to, if you want wheat, then you had better sow wheat seeds. If you want to reap, reap spiritual growth and eternal life, you need to sow spiritual things which last into eternity. Now, if your life is more characterized by the sins of the flesh that we looked at earlier on, then you are reaping Sorry, you are sowing to the flesh. Now, if there is a crop of sunflowers in your field, guaranteed you have sown sunflower seeds. 
not wheat seeds. We need to take Paul's advice and evaluate ourselves, test ourselves, continually do self-assessments. And it's even better to ask somebody who knows you well, ask them, what do you see in my life? Now, do you, what, what harvest do you see? Is it a harvest of righteousness or is it a harvest of unrighteousness? That will tell us what we are sowing. In Hosea 10 from verse 12, we read this now. Israel at this time was disobedient to God. And this was the warning and the advice that God gives his people Israel through this prophet. He says, sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. But you have planted wickedness, you have reaped evil. Now when we sow righteousness, we reap the fruit of God's unfailing love. God's unfailing love. But we need to live by the Spirit, we need to yield to the Spirit. We need to walk in step with the Spirit. We need to sow to the Spirit to reap that harvest. But you have planted wickedness, he tells Israel. You have reaped evil. We plant wickedness, we sow wickedness, we reap evil. The second law of the harvest is that we reap more than we sow. Now in Mark 4, uh, Jesus explains the parable of the sower. And, you know, he says the word of God is like a seed. Now, a farmer is sowing seed, and then he describes four different types of soil that the seed falls in. And the response that Jesus wants and what we want for ourselves is the fourth soil, which he describes here. He says, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. You know, when we sow to the Spirit, we reap a harvest of righteousness that is far greater than what we have sown. You know, a farmer sows seed because he knows that out of one seed, he's going to get many, many seeds. And it is the same spiritually. When we sow, God produces a harvest that is disproportionate to our sowing. Now, such is our wonderful God. But it works in reverse too. You know, if we sow to the flesh, even a little bit, we reap a disproportionate harvest of destruction. And we read this in Hosea as well. Speaking about Israel, he says, they sow the seed, sorry, they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. You know, Israel, Israel's disobedience started off very slowly. You know, they compromised just a little bit. They worshipped God, Yahweh, but they also worshipped some other idols. They thought, ah, surely it's okay just for me to pop across to the temple of Baal. It's kind of quite exciting. It's quite a vibe there. Um, surely it's okay if I interact with those, with those pretty Gentile women and get involved in some of the exciting parties they have. I'm still worshipping God, but God knows where my heart is. Surely it's okay. It's okay. That's how it started. And before long, there was just full-blown disobedience and rejection of God. You know, we can think that you know, it's okay, a little white light work is fine. Um, just those five or ten minutes on that website, I'll limit myself, just five or ten minutes, it won't do anybody any harm. Just that little bit of slander, a little bit of compromise here. 
But when we reap to the flesh, there's escalation, and before we know it, there is full-blown sin and disobedience. We reap more than we sow. It works both ways. Sow to the Spirit, we reap a spiritual harvest, an abundant spiritual harvest. We sow to the flesh, we, we reap abundant problems and destruction. You know, it all starts in the mind. And this is a, a saying you might be aware of. You know, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. It all starts in the mind. Just a little thought. Paul, speaking to the Corinthians again, he says, take captive your thoughts. Make them obedient to Christ. Just that little thought, church. If we allow that little thought to develop into an action, it can become a habit. It can shape our character and can determine our destiny. It starts with our thoughts. It starts in the mind. Sow a thought and reap a destiny. And then the third law of the harvest is that we reap later than we sow. You know, farmers do not expect to sow seeds today and wake up the next morning expecting a harvest. Unless you believe um, Jack and the beanstalk. That, the beanstalk grew quickly, didn't it? Okay, but it just doesn't work like that in practice, right? You know, it, ta- it takes time for seeds to develop into plants. And if you want to be a farmer, you need to have patience. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we should not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There is a time gap between sowing to the Spirit and reaping the fruit. Now put differently, transformation into the image of Jesus is a lifelong process. We become more and more like Jesus when we endure, when we do not become weary. You know, as Jesus endured and did not become weary in doing good. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then we get another chance. And I want to encourage us by ending with this really important truth and very positive point. You know, not every crop is a success for farmers. Some harvests are complete failure for various reasons. And when that happens, the good farmer doesn't sit around fretting about, you know, the failure and thinking about giving up. You know, he starts to plan the next season. He'll evaluate what went wrong. He'll do anything in his power to do better next time. He'll start preparing the soil. He'll buy the best seed. He'll do what he can to ensure that the next crop is a success. You know, God speaking to um, Israel when they were messing up, doing very badly, he gives them this hope. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know, our God is a God of incredible patience and mercy. You know, some of you here this morning, if you look at your life, you might think, well, maybe I've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15 years, and you think, I just do not have a spiritual crop to show. Maybe you realize that you've been reaping to the flesh. There's hope. You know, we can all change. You know, let's start 
sowing spiritual seeds now, that we can develop the spiritual fruit, that we can all become more and more like Jesus. Amen. There is hope. God is a God of second chances. We can sow differently to how we have sown in the past. Amen. Thank you, church.